0: Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah and Bean, and welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. We've got another epic interview coming at you today with a person who was involved in one of the great comedic institutions of our time, and in fact, was responsible for delivering cannabis to the performers, thereby... Taking some small part in shaping comedy for the future. Isn't that right, Bean?
1: Yeah, this is a really, really fun story. We're talking about the Upright Citizens Brigade, probably the most influential movement and in comedy of the last 20 years. And it is all in our guest, John Flynn's book. It's called Baked! Exclamation point. Sex, drugs, and alternative comedy. And it is about his journey as a weed cookie purveyor to alternative comedians of the highest caliber. This guy
0: sold weed cookies to UCB performers. He did it for a long time. He went real big with it. And he's just an amazing guy with a really fantastic story which of course you can learn about in his book, and we're going to get a little taste of that story today in this interview. It was a really, really fun one. Of course, years in UCB have given John comedic chops, and he's just a really fun guy to talk to. Before we get into it, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor for this episode. That's MJ Delivery, E-M-J-A-Y. You can check them out at heymj.com that's H-E-Y-E-M-J-A-Y.com. and stay tuned after the theme song for info on how you can get a big discount on cannabis delivered right to your door. This episode we're going to
1: talk about what weed delivery used to be which was a comedian by day weed cookie maker by night who would bicycle and subway it all over the city to bring you weed cookies. Now some of us fortunate enough to live in this golden era of just going to heymj.com and doing it all above board, but, you know, anybody out there delivering weed to the people is a friend of this podcast, and we love you for it.
0: All right, so for anybody who might not be aware, a little bit of background on the Upright Citizens Brigade. The original incarnation of the group consisted of Matt Besser, Amy Poehler, Ian Roberts, Matt Walsh, Adam McKay... Rick Roman, Horatio Sands, and Drew Franklin. You probably recognize a lot of those names as titans of comedy today, and it's true. UCB has become a real institution for comedy and improv training across the country, and many, many fantastic comedians, comedic actors that you see in TV shows and movies today are graduates of UCB. They really have changed the world of comedy for the better in the last couple decades
1: oh yeah i gotta shout out some of the alumni of ucb are some of our favorites people who have really brought a very weedy sensibility to comedy and i think as you're gonna hear in this episode that's no coincidence of having an in-house weed cookie guy Supplying and fueling this creative output. Now, I'm not saying they all ate these cookies, but I'm absolutely sure they did. Paul Shear, <laughs> Kate McKinnon, Aubrey Plaza, Rob cordry Rob Riggle, Ed Helms, Zach Woods, Nicole Byer, Bobby Moynihan, Nick Kroll, Ben Schwartz, Alana and Abby from Broad City, Chris Gethard, a personal favorite of mine, and this list goes on and on. All fueled
0: by weed fueled cookies. The people that UCB has pumped out have just become really, really massive stars. And yes, we credit our guest today, John Flynn, with injecting some of that weedy sensibility into this output. So we first learned about this book and John Flynn from friend of the podcast, John Gabris of the fantastic Weedy Podcast, High and Mighty. And here's his little quote about this book. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had a night entirely made and or entirely derailed by one of Flynn's cookies. They were my first edibles and hopefully when it comes time, they will be my last. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lovely
1: sentiment. And of course, I think everyone listening here has had a night made and a night or many nights derailed by weed cookies, especially going back in the era when You didn't know how much THC was in a cookie. You didn't know anything except that we were lucky to have one. Um, And one of the other great celebrity dishes in the book, which has many, Sarah Silverman, tells a story of having one of John Flynn's cookies. She actually told this story in the New York Times that she had eaten one of his weed cookies when she met Al Gore. As she said, for whatever reason, I felt like it would be a good idea to eat a half a pot cookie at the DNC convention. Just as it hit me, they're like, Sarah, meet Al Gore. And then someone took a picture. <laughs> it's Al Gore looking terrified and me with my hands up like
0: I'm saying, I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, Sarah Silverman. All right, so before we get started, we just want to give a very special thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, allowing us to make this show the way that we want to make it. If you don't support us on Patreon yet, and you want to see all the bonuses and cool shit you can get from doing so, please check us out at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com.
1: You can throw in $1, you can put 5 on it, and at the $20 level, you can get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot, properly shipped directly to your door I'll probably throw like an eighth of really good weed in the... I I mean, uh, did I say that? I didn't really mean to say that. I mean, that's not legally binding, but, you know, it could happen. Uh, And all of that, except the parts that are patently illegal can be accessed by going to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. That's where you'll see the video versions of the podcast. That's where you can sign up to support this show. We appreciate it so, so much. It is really keeping us going and keeping us inspired and keeping us growing this community. And, of course, if you don't have the money right now or you need it for something else like, I don't know, weed You can really, really do us a solid trying to start a new little segment called Puff, Puff, Pass It On. And that just means telling your friends who love weed to get high on history with us. Tell them about the show. Text them a link. Please, please help us grow this grassroots community.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you can learn about all that at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. All right, I have got a Puffco Peak with a Hitman glass topper loaded up with some Jack hair and a little bit of OG. Bean, what do you got going on over there?
1: Well, I wanted to get into the spirit of our weed cookie episode. Unfortunately, John Flynn's weed cookies are, are, are no longer on the market. I've still got some incredible edibles from judging the Emerald Cup. You can listen to our episode. We were both judges this year in different categories. These are, and I'm holding them up for our Patreon subscribers, one of my other favorites are these Capri edible cakes. They're from a real Italian chef. They're delicious, they're vegan, and they really pack a punch. I ate one of these about an hour ago so that I'd be on the uplift as we start the episode. You probably maybe don't have these ready to go, but you can certainly hit pause, roll up a joint, make yourself a weed cookie, watch some UCB clips, get a feel for the vibe, split a blunt, pack a bong uh, do whatever it is that you do with the dabs, get yourself high and then hit pause again that will actually unpause it it's a toggle function and I promise you that whatever you do, once you are ready, will be ready for another great, great moment, in moment in weed history, history.
0: Okay, we are here with John Flynn, who has the rare distinction of being UCB's lead pot cookie dealer (laughs) through their funniest years, I might add.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Well, you said it not be, but sure, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show,
2: John. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm sensing both correlation and causation in that chart that Shows laughs per day and oh. cookie sales.
2: The math is there, so it's hard to argue.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so tell us, John. Let's let's get started in the way that we usually get started with our guests. How did you first become acquainted with our favorite plant?
2: Uh, the first time I smoked pot was actually on my sixteenth birthday.
0: Oh, wonderful! Uh, it was a yeah. present from someone.
2: It was a present from someone. Why? Yes, uh, you've read my book, or at least the first <laughs> chapter of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a birthday present from someone And I had a couple times before that been offered Marijuana, but I was still like young As the suburbs of New Jersey, I was young and I was like Scared of it and I was like, no, that's bad You don't want to do that, you'll become a bad person And then I did it a few times, I was like, oh no, wait, this is So much fun <laughs> I haven't robbed anybody It's
0: crazy <laughs> It's like, I haven't died of a heroin <laughs> overdose yet I guess the I guess the, the PSAs Were wrong
2: The montage of my life spinning out of control hasn't happened yet Okay <laughs>
0: And so what town in New Jersey were you in?
2: It's a small town called Little Silver, New Jersey, but it's right next to a town called Red Bank, which you might have heard of because that's where Kevin Smith sort of set up shop for a few years. Yeah, So there's like a lot of stuff in like around Red Bank. So literally right next to Red Bank, New Jersey. So
1: you're you're saying uh, film director Kevin Smith sold you weed when you were 16. (laughs) When I was 16,
2: (laughs) he, he didn't sell it to me. I had to blow him to get it. But yes, there was a transaction Okay, because
1: as I think of it, accusing him of selling weed would be get us in some legal trouble. Yeah. But I think right, right. Ex- right, right. exchanging it for sexual favors from a with, minor. Uh, with a minor. Yeah, that's fine.
2: <laughs> that's whimsical and artistic. Yeah. Oh,
0: incidentally, uh, ne- next week, our guest is Kevin Smith. <laughs> oh! Tell
2: him to call me, please.
0: <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, so so we're all smoking the same shitty weed when we're when we're young mm-hmm. men because we're yes. all New Jersey guys here.
2: Oh wait, you guys are Jersey too? Yeah, yeah, Parsippany
0: oh right here.
2: Okay, nice.
0: Yeah, fuck him. But yes,
1: if he doesn't want to shout out. No town pride, this guy.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't want I, anyone
1: to check it uh, out. I agree with Bruce Springsteen. You got to get out while you're
0: young. <laughs> <laughs> nice, amazing. All right. So so you discovered cannabis at 16. You took to it. You said this stuff is fantastic. Now, the other half of this equation, of <laughs> course, is uh, a, probably a more dangerous drug. Improvised comedy. How, how you that first... you can't get off of. Yeah. When she,
2: once that gets in you, you're fucked.
0: Yeah. So who first gave you your first uh, first once free hit of, uh, of improvised comedy?
2: Well, I was in New York uh, City at the time when the UCB was like really starting to pop off, when like people were starting to be like, this, like, people are, this this is the place. And so a lot of people were saying to me, oh, you should go do stuff there. So I just went and saw some shows there. I thought it was super funny and just started taking classes. And when I was there, it was still at the strip club. Most people, when they think of UCB in New York, they think of the Gristini's, the theater underneath the grocery store, which was great. And, but I was, I, I got on board a little bit before then, before it was super trendy and uh, played out. It was still in an old strip club. That's when I started uh, my UCB journey.
1: And, and we're three comedy nerds of a certain sure. age. Uh, but, <laughs> but for the other two people listening, uh, <laughs> give us a, just a little background on what the UCB is. Sure, and, sure. And what it was like that first time you walked in the door.
2: So first of all, it used to be, I guess, in case you don't know, it stands for Upright Citizens Brigade. It's uh, the Amy Poehler, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, and Ian Roberts were four improvisers who came to New York and started and opened up a theater and started doing shows. And so they had been around for maybe four or five years when I sort of showed up. And I, as I said, it was a former strip club uh, in Chelsea on 22nd Street. And I walked in and it was like. You know how you, you walk into some place and you're like, "Oh yeah, this was a strip club once before." Uh that was definitely the UCB. Like, I would say a third of the seats had like a a plastic like a milk crate underneath them to keep them up so you could actually sit on them and they wouldn't <laughs> fall apart. You know, just an empty stage and a bunch of improvisers. I think it was the Swarm. And uh Andy Daly was one of the performers there that you might oh, uh still know much. if he was performing there. Yeah. And I just thought like, "Oh, this is really fun and exciting." And it it did have that like cool underground like this is like the cool thing that the Yeah. The New York Times doesn't know about this yet. We're doing some real crazy stuff, but it was fun. And then after the first year or so is really when like suddenly everyone's in commercials, people are booking TV shows, people are like selling scripts and becoming, you know, like big deals. Once I started being a performer, not just a student, it did feel like, as you said, like this really magical time there where it was like so many crazy people were there it was insane just uh, um lennon parham donald glover kate mckinnon bobby moynihan jeff Hiller, nicole byer it's crazy. just like you could just like adam pally Stephen uh, ben schwartz like it's just an insane you could just go on for hours about the number of people who were just there all the time and you were just kind of like okay this is crazy i don't know how we all got here but here we are
0: yeah and so okay so now you're in the mix you're going to ucb you're taking classes you're you know experiencing Doing shows yeah yeah exactly And so at what point, you know, like, of course, when you're taking classes anywhere, even at UCB, you know, you got to, like, look around the room and see who's down. You know what I mean? Like, who's in the club with me? Who's a stoner so what was that experience like for you? Uh,
2: that was not tough, uh, as you might imagine. <laughs> it was uh, pretty uh, open. It was more like, oh, you don't smoke weed. That was sort of more the vibe, I think. <laughs> I think that's for sort of most sort of comedy theaters. Yeah, I first started, like there was a group of people before I was like a performer. It used to be when I was a student in class, there was like a bunch of us. We would just go to this one woman's house. She was a kindergarten teacher. And so she had a really nice apartment. So every, so often she would like have a party where it would just be like a bunch of us. And she would make, she made pot brownies, I think. And she taught me like the first way to do do it and we just get high and watch a bunch of dumb videos together at her like apartment and it was all super fun and nice but yeah i mean like there's if you want to smoke pot at ucb or at least back then it was not difficult to find someone to smoke with or to smoke you up or all of that stuff it was pretty uh it, they, uh, no one was hiding about it or being precious or scared.
0: Well, we got to ask you about the the recipe because I don't know if you know it, but Bean and I are James Beard Award nominated cannabis cooking cannabis producers. Wow. I had no, I would have, I would have worn
2: something much nicer. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs>
0: Thank you. It was many years ago. We're still riding on that accomplishment. You gotta do it. Long sure. <laughs> canceled. Uh, but of course, you know, we have our own methods of infusion. I'm wondering what was your recipe?
2: So, as I said, the first woman she had this process where you would boil the weed and butter in water for like 20 minutes, and then you'd freeze it. And while it freezes, because I guess the water and the butter are different weights, so they separate. So once it's totally frozen, you take it out and you remove the butter from the ice and then you just make whatever you want cuz as i'm sure you know in Mozilla is like once you made that butter or the oil it does like that's what you need it's not like doesn't matter if it's brownies or cookies or a cake or anything like that
0: yeah th- that's the freezing step is brilliant i don't think uh, i don't think i've ever heard of that before
2: it what's tough about it it's messy it's tough to like cut something off from ice you know like you're you're, you're yeah. going to want a lot of towels <laughs> if you're going that method but then what I ended up doing as I became a more prolific pot cookie dealer is I found a method where you just grind up the weed and put it in the in a crock pot. Yep, just do that for like 12 hours and you got some no fail, pretty kick-ass butter, which you can make into cookies or brownies or whatever you want.
1: Absolutely, that is the set it and forget it or in exactly. New York, they call it the set it and forget about it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> that's that's how everyone talks, by the way. Just pretty much, non, yeah. Not New Yorkers. Uh, before we get into your rise as the cookie kingpin, of uh new york city <laughs> uh i wanted to ask about sort of the connection between Cannabis and comedy and particularly improvisational comedy, which is what UCB is known for, you right. know, on a brain chemistry level, there's been studies that show cannabis improves something called hyperpriming, which is taking two disconnected ideas and connecting them for you and for your fellow improvisers. Was there a sense that these cookies and weed in general <laughs> are, are a real creative fuel?
2: Uh, I think there was there was definitely I mean, people used it like people use marijuana for all reasons, as I'm sure you know, there are a lot of people who would use them to go to sleep. A lot of people who would like, you know, especially if you're going to the movies, seeing a shitty movie, uh, who doesn't want a pot cookie with you? Yeah, there is something about that. Although what was funny is I found a lot of people would be like, I'm going to ha- eat one of your cookies, and then go do a show. They would almost always say afterwards, like, I just stayed on the back line the whole time. I was so <laughs> in my head and so terrified. <laughs> I think that's probably like an extra level you need to get used to of like, oh yeah, I'm totally stoned to doing a- an improv show. But yeah, there is something really fun about it. I mean, like there's plenty of times where I would get together people, we would smoke pot and then try to come up with ideas or write stuff or like so many great ideas that would come to you while you're high. So it's a very natural thing for people to sort of casually play around with or use you know what I mean or experiment with because it's just I don't know there's something about it frees you up and sort of lets you come up with different ideas as you said different connections and stuff did did you ever have a green out moment on stage I can't remember I tended to only smoke pot when it was like that was the point of the show so like the audience was like oh we're seeing a bunch of people get high and do what Uh. you know whether it be improv or sketch or whatever so in that way the like oh no, everyone knows I'm stoned and they all hate me. That that part of your brain is not <laughs> active in those moments. That's 80% of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
1: (laughs) And in terms of, you know, your passion for cannabis transforming into your vocation, take us through those steps. Maybe (laughs) some percentage between 50 and 100% of this podcast is maybe sold a little weed at some point. So you're you're in a judgment-free zone here with (laughs) us and our listeners. But, you know, how how did it go from passion to to vocation for you?
2: So it all started because I had co-created a show at the UCB. It was a spoof of the movie Showgirls. It was called Girls, the best movie ever made ever. <laughs> we got asked to perform at the San Francisco Sketch Festival, which was really new at the time. We were all really excited. There's a cast of, of eight people that we would then have to fly ourselves out to San Francisco for. And so Jackie Clark, who I co-created the show with, she and I like sat down to try to figure out like how do we pay for these hotels and the plane tickets and do we need to rent a car and how much is it all going to cost? We pulled together all resources and we were like a little over a $1,000 short. At that time, I had already like a couple times made pot cookies or pot brownies and brought them to parties and stuff. But then we came up with the idea like, well, what if we there was like a big holiday party coming up at UCB? So I was like, what if we sell a lot of pot cookies at this? And let people know all the money is going to go to like bringing showgirls to San Francisco and see how we do. And I don't know if you've heard this, but selling drugs, especially at a party, a UCB party in New York City, is very easy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, so uh, that night we made more than all the money that we needed to make. And so that was great. And initially I was just like, oh good, this is going to be a one-off. But then the few days following that, I got a couple calls from people being like, Hey, do you have any more of those cookies? Or I mentioned this to this friend and they wanted to know. And so I just made another batch of cookies, had a day of deliveries. And then I was like, I really like this. Like, it's a fun job being a drug dealer. Every time you go to meet someone, everyone's so happy to see you. They're like, yay, you are here. Wonderful. <laughs> uh- <laughs> You have a, like maybe a five to 10 minute conversation, maybe longer if you know them. But it's usually like I try to always like keep it professional and cute and quick. So it wasn't like, oh, if we call John. He's going to hang out all day. Uh, but, you know, like you have a fun little conversation, chat, you know, delightful little time. And then you leave and you have more money than when you arrived. So you had a tight five as a as
0: a. Oh, I was dealer.
2: I was real good at like doing like what's in the news today? What's going on? Yeah.
0: What's everyone talking about? <laughs> You're an improviser, right? You're not, like, by trade a drug dealer. And at this time in New York, there's a lot of drug dealers around. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of guys selling weed and little... Uh, rectangular prisms of plastic, right? Yeah, uh, yep. with, with a little sticker on them. Mm-hmm. So did you ever run into like a turf situation with, like what was going on?
2: No, I thought about that. I was worried about that. I was like, if I'm just selling weed, that could step on other people's business and whatnot. And I was like, I'm not. So I was like, I don't want to find myself in any kind of drug war. I look like howdy doody. <laughs> So my plan was like, just just keep it to cookies. Like if it's just cookies, it's a different thing. People weren't like, what's that smell? There's something bad that it felt safe. It felt like it wasn't encroaching on anyone else's territory. And as crazy as it seems, at that time, I didn't know anyone else who was like regularly selling edibles. I'm sure there were, I mean, it's New York City. How many million people there? Like, but there was, I, as far as I knew, I was the only person who was just selling cookies. I didn't sell, like, I didn't sell loose wheat to anybody. I just sold cookies. And uh, I think for me, that- that at least mentally made me be like, OK, if I, as long as I stay here and in this lane, I'm fine. No one else can really be upset with me or annoyed with me.
1: Did you have a sense of how strong the cookies were in terms of milligrams of THC? And and if not, how did you sort of help people navigate that?
0: Yeah. For a <laughs> listener, John started shaking his head before you even asked that question. <laughs>
2: before the question, was, I was like, oh, no, I had no. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I recently made a batch of cookies and gave them to some friends out here. And they're like, how many milligrams is this? I was like, oh, I have no idea.
0: Uh I would Enough. always just yeah, <laughs> the right amount. Yeah.
2: yeah, I would say start with half, wait an hour and then see how you feel. But of course, everyone was like, "Uh, I think I know what I'm doing." And so they yeah. would have a full one or like after 20 minutes be like, "I'm not feeling anything and then eat more and then of course oh. an hour later. The next time I would see them they'd be like, "You have no idea how high I got on your cookies." Yeah. Like, oh, dude. I told you. They were very strong, I will say that. I I got really lucky stumbling onto that uh Crockpot uh, method because they really really came out strong and potent
0: at this point also i'm wondering what year this was
2: this is like 2005 to 2008 or 9 maybe
0: okay interesting so you were really ahead of the game of the week cookie thing because i remember <laughs> in like 2010 or 11 was the first time that i saw the guys carrying around the you know whatever 2.5 grams for 50 dollar jars or whatever start Uh to carry cookies as well, and then vape carts after that. So you were actually, like, way ahead of the game. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, where are my
1: residuals, motherfuckers? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And when did you start the weed company called
2: Cookies? Because I assume you are now the billionaire head of that company. No, right? I wish. No, I got out of the game. But I, I would always joke because people have said to me, like, well, now this is getting to be legal. Do you want to get into it again? And I was just like, I think I would get I would have gotten shut down for health code violations. Definitely. Even like my kitchen was fine. But if someone came in to inspect it, they'd be like, you can't sell food that you make here.
0: They would have met your rat sous chef. <laughs> exactly. Hey, it's New York. Hey, Pete, what happened to those rats you had working here? Ah, oh, customer complain. They say they know like rats for waiters. But it's okay. I make them cook.
2: Hey, Pete, here you go. Two zeros on a trampoline with a side of Joan of Arc.
1: I've really loved and very much appreciated about the book is your very sympathetic portrayal of the cannabis underground and really resisting the urge to be sensationalistic or play up the danger. On the one hand, obviously, many, many people get fucked with every day. Yeah. Not just selling weed or growing it, but even just having it on them. But at the same time, you did this for many, many years without incident Like a lot, a lot of other people, and that comes through in the book. So, in terms of what beyond money this brought into your life, what were the positive aspects of being the weed cookie guy?
2: A lot. I think, I do think it was a job that felt very much like it did fit into my personality. Like, I spend my day traveling around New York City. You know, making eight to ten deliveries a day, maybe. As I said, like you go to all these people; they're happy to see you. You get to go to all these different parts of the city. Like I was everywhere. It wasn't like I was just hanging around Washington Square Park because I only did deliveries. I also didn't just like hang out somewhere where you could go by and like try and find me. Uh, the money's really good, but it's not. Bad. But I just like it's fun to. I enjoy like like those five to ten minute conversations with other people. That to me was like perfect. Like I love that. I love getting to like spend the day doing whatever I wanted, kind of. Have, you know, being your own boss and just going on all these different fun adventures because like, especially like once it be, once it grew out of just UCB and it was like friends of friends and stuff like that, like it was so many just different, different crazy people I met, different walks of life. Most people were just really nice, just wanted to get high. Like, you know, there are a lot of people who are just like trying to get through their day and they just need like something to help take the edge off. Right before Thanksgiving, sales would go through the roof because one of the great things about edibles is like, oh, you can go eat an edible either in your room or in the bathroom, your family's not going to be like, what is that smell? Um <laughs> <laughs> so it's a the perfect way to be low-key high somewhere where you can't have any uh, thing giving that away. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like the, the personal connection with people was really, really nice and something I really enjoyed and I thought was fun. And it felt like occasionally you would meet people who you, who, you know, we you like, Oh, this is really helping your life. This is like significantly making a difference. And in fact, one of my customers was a doctor and she was an oncologist. And so she would give them to her patients to help them eat more. Wow. So like, it was like a really, it, I, I was able to feel good about myself. <laughs> as
0: being this drug dealer you're like brownie mary that that's fantastic yeah yeah and (laughs) uh, of course for our listeners in our first season we did an episode on brownie mary you can go check that out but yeah to to give edibles to the sick is truly a mitzvah (laughs) thank you Correct use of mitzvah.
2: <laughs> well done, well done.
1: <laughs> I felt the need
0: to chime in that way.
1: <laughs>
0: to validate <laughs> that.
2: <laughs> Validation is important. Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Wow. <laughs> I have no authority to comment on either of those things, but it seems all right, fun. So we all
0: end the, end the interviews by all saying "Allahu Akbar" at the same time. So one, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: Um, so it's not obviously outing anybody but in your uh, book you mentioned quite a few people from the UCB scene who were your hmm. uh customers and who <laughs> gave you nice comments in the book <laughs> so for our listeners who are who are some of the real heads from that era who were your go-to cookie people
2: uh- <laughs> Uh, people I would sell to. You want me to name the names? I don't know. I feel weird as a drug dealer telling people. You know, oh, <laughs> no, I'm
1: just saying people that you mentioned in the book.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> not all the people I mentioned in the book were people who bought weed or, or you know, smoke weed. But, you know, all those UCB people, so like Amy Poehler, Jason Manzukis Paul Scheer, uh, Rob Hubel, like all of those people from that golden era of UCB were all people who I was around with who probably tried one or I don't know, but I don't want to say anything official in case... You know, they don't want to be known as someone who does drugs or did drug drugs at one point in time.
0: None of the people you mentioned were surprising to me no. at all as <laughs> cannabis users. I'm Supreme like,
2: Court Justice yeah. Samuel Alito was a regular <laughs> customer.
0: <laughs> so the
1: cookies aren't foolproof, unfortunately. No, yeah, yeah. They, they, they make you
0: pro-life. <laughs> yeah. Well, also for a
1: little, a little perspective, and maybe this will make you feel better, uh... Actually, back in the day, the UCB founders were booked and came and performed at the High Times Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. And Amy Poehler oh, nice. has publicly told a very hilarious story mm-hmm. about that experience.
2: Do you, do you uh,
1: have you performed for crowds that are under the influence before? Because well, it can get tricky.
0: I I w-
1: once was a judge at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam.
0: <laughs> is, is that real?
1: It is a real. Thank you. Thank you, it's a real event where people from all over the world come to try different weed and say which is the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, we weirdly, um, Upright Citizens Brigade, the group that I'm in, performed Open for Patti Smith. Um, and it was really strange. You did
0: improv as opening <laughs> yes, yes. for Patti Smith at a cannabis competition. That's
1: right. And I the, love this. this the, is entire, fantastic. the entire audience was so stoned um, and nobody knew what was going on. And the guy that was running the, the, the light and soundboard, we gave him a list of our cues. like. Turn the lights out here. Turn the music on here. And about 20 minutes before we were supposed to go on, he just said, um, "I got some bad news. I lost the list."
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy running the yeah, show. The That's very like, nice. Okay, well,
1: there you go. So, okay, good. You know, their 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 love of weed is is pre documented. Uh.
2: <laughs> good, good, good. Thank you. Oh, I feel so much better now.
0: Since then, UCB has uh, you know spread all over the country, metastasized if you will, <laughs> gone everywhere. There's UCBs you know in LA, and it's mm. it really is uh, you know like sort of a, a foundational uh, funnel for yeah. talent, for comedic talent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. And it really seems like you know it is a stonery vibe. Now I've been to a bunch of UCB shows, mm-hmm. of course. Shout out our boys! Uh, I'm too effing high. Yeah. James and Drew, you know what I mean? So so it definitely has become more part of the vernacular. So in your mind, you know, like seeing as you were there at the, you know, at the birth of of UCB in a lot of ways or like before it really spread. Right. Mm -hmm. Like what part does cannabis play in the larger legacy of UCB?
2: I don't know if it has anything specific, but I think the sort of like counterculture attitude and the like, we're doing crazy weird stuff. Cause that, that would happen a lot at UCB, which was sometimes really exciting and fun. And sometimes it was just sort of like, okay. of People like, we're just doing something crazy, something you've never seen before, something really out there. And so just sort of pushing that as opposed to like, I'm crafting a well-written story here, you know what I mean? Or something like that. So there's a lot more of that. I think just like, I think it's sort of, it, it, it overlaps a lot in just the like, let's try it. Let's be experimental. Let's go places. We don't know where it's going to end up, but let's just head out there. Let's make these weird connections. We don't necessarily know or understand and just figure them out. So I think it's more thematic than it was like weed plus this equals UCB. But I think the the overlap of the vendor diagram of those worlds is pretty, <laughs> pretty strong. Ooh. It's a whole lot of overlap in that world.
1: Yeah. I think too, like the, the willingness to fail, the, yeah. uh, is, is a weedy willingness, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think it's much harder to fail at things when when you're alcohol based or, or yeah whatever. you're really think,
2: angry there, um yeah, you like, well,
0: I don't think you're funny, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Someone throws a beer bottle at you, that's dangerous. Someone throws a joint at you. You're like, thank you. I'll do this later. <laughs> In this economy. Uh, but I also problem. think also, even just the like enjoyment of the absurd and silly, which I think like weed often brings out a lot. I think that also like feeds into and helps a lot of, you know, because most improv is insane. You know, it's like we're a bunch of monkeys trying to do, th- you know, and it's just like, okay, if you're high, it's it's easier to laugh at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that brings up a good question, too. What 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 advice do you have for somebody who might be interested? interested in improv in like combining those two like if you're gonna get high and improvise what lessons have you learned along the way
2: (laughs) uh i guess it's just find other people who who you because the thing about improv especially is it's so collaborative so it's not like stand-up where you kind of like do your own work show up do the show and you know it's like it's a group of people so i mean With improv, it's just like find people that you like who also like this idea and then just give it a try. That's one of the other nice things about improv is that it is meant to be disposable. You're not meant to be creating something that will last forever. You're building sandcastles. So if you have a bad show or a bad set, like, oh, well, you'll do another one later. Like no one else is going to see it. uh, Only the people who suffered through it there. Yeah. A
0: special note to all the stone stand-ups listening to this. (laughs) uh, Yes. When people don't laugh at the material you've been cultivating, you're a bad person. (laughs) <laughs> Those are not safe castles. They last forever. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the
2: difference between uh, improv and stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just rejecting you in that moment. <laughs> it's They're rejecting the idea of you. It is, <laughs> <laughs> the very essence of you is failure.
1: <laughs> and then to, to come at this a different way, we talked about how weed might have fueled uh, your improv, and now I'm wondering how the skills of an improviser might have helped you in selling weed cookies
2: uh, it probably made me more comfortable walking into situations I didn't know what was gonna happen you know that's the one thing about improv. you don't know what the show's gonna be, so you just gotta show up. so I think I felt it probably did make me more comfortable and more relaxed and just sort of going to places I didn't know before, meeting people I didn't know, doing this thing that was very illegal. I could you know very easily have been caught or be, you know at any time but uh yeah, I don't know it just made it seem I don't know, I guess it just made me more relaxed and comfortable going into those situations. And also at that time, UCB was so trendy that anytime it would sort of come up that I was performing there, people were always impressed, which I was always like flattered. But also, I was like, you know, it's a basement of a grocery store, right? There's nothing actually impressive about what I'm doing with my life. But sure. <laughs> and and so when did the cookie crumble? <laughs> the cookie crumbled because I had a, I had in my business had grown so much that I was shipping them to people over the country. I had a lot of people in Broadway shows on tour who would ask me to send them cookies and a lot of stand-up comics were on the road who would ask them to send me cookies. And so one of them was stopped and held for inspection. uh, And so I decided this is a good time to get out before, uh, before like it was really the first time I had a scare where I was like, oh, this could be, like, that felt legit. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, I'm not built for this level of stress.
0: And was that a USPS delivery out of curiosity?
2: No, it was FedEx. Right. I was listening to your your last episode. You were saying, they don't do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. In fact, (laughs) just a little reminder, I think this has come up maybe Mm. a dozen times on this show. But if you are going to be the type of person who mails cannabis from one state to another, Mm. it behooves you to use the USPS over a private carrier because- The USPS, like any government organization, basically doesn't have enough people to inspect packages. And also, (laughs) they require a warrant to go into your mail because it's... Uh, Oh, yeah, it's it's illegal. Federally speaking, yeah, they they can't break into your mail, right? So, uh, if you're going to be doing it, right, Mm -hmm. use the USPS... Uh, learn from John's experience of having a ship with seas and just use the USPS. They also also right now, it's the only responsible thing for you to do as a person <laughs> is to support the USPS because I'm pretty sure yeah half the reason they exist is is humble weed going to New York.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Weed cookies in the mail is the only socialized medicine we have in this country. <laughs> yes it's <laughs> true <laughs> it's true and, oh and uh, a quick pitch yeah uh so the book uh which you can find
2: where you uh, so the book is called "Baked: sex drugs and alternative comedy you can buy it either on amazon or if you want to if you want an autograph copy you can buy one on my website which is john flynn comedian uh it's like five dollars more if you get an autograph copy but all of the extra money Ah uh, goes to the Last Prisoner Project, which is a, a nonprofit that exists to uh, overturn wrongful drug convictions. So, uh, if you did want an autograph copy, or if you just want a copy, you wanted to donate to that through buying the book, you can do that on my website, Jonathan Comedian, or you can just get it on Amazon. You you know, Amazon.com.
0: <laughs> uh, I
1: have not heard of it, but yeah, <laughs> Bezos needs that money, bro. He does. Don't yeah. cut him out. Gotta get into uh, exactly. <laughs> and how long until we are, you know, going to be hopefully the two of us, Bill and I, sitting front row at? baked exclamation point the musical
2: <laughs> oh i hadn't thought about making it a musical well i'll let you know but i will definitely have two seats for you front row would you want to be in the back so you can smoke maybe we'll figure <laughs> it out wherever you guys want to sit you can sit whenever yeah, it happens theatrical
1: exemption write us in like the two old muppets so yeah you'll be saturday and talk yeah, shit. we'll have
2: two
0: seats on stage
2: and you two just smoke the whole show and then comment on like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> All
0: right. So we're absolutely down for this. If you just decide to make the musical, we are in 100%. <laughs> All
2: right. I just have to write a musical. Perfect. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and if you're listening, check out John's book. Because truly, I mean, this is just the taste of the stories that this guy has mm. from his adventures in the improv scene, being a cannabis cookie purveyor in New York City. And it really is. I mean, it, it's just beautiful. And I think it gets to the heart of, you know, of community and of compassion that we talk about, you know, right here on Great Moments in Weed History, because that is what Weed World is about. It's not about profits. It's
2: That's about true. people,
0: right? Yes. Um, thank you so much. John, thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show. We've really enjoyed this conversation.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed being here. I'm going to come check out your stand-up show. That sounds awesome.
0: Yes. And you're going to have to perform. <laughs> improvise. <Uh-oh>. No.
2: <laughs> I don't really improvise. <laughs> we'll bring cookies at least. <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs> Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You could put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com, and that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean.